Let me tell you something real quick. The presence of the Lord is here. It's in this place. I'm recalled back to the book of Genesis one time where Jacob said, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. And I just wondered this morning if you recognize that the presence of the Lord is here. God does not dwell in a temple made by human hands. God dwells amongst his people. We are the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And his presence is here today. And I don't want to waste another day of just clocking in and doing a church thing. I need a word from God this morning. And his presence is here. And he's speaking. And I pray today that your ears are open to what God has to say to you. That we have some joy as the people of God that meet together. I'm recalled to when the psalmist one time said, I was glad when they said unto me. Does anybody know how to finish it? Let us go into the house of the Lord. And I wonder this morning, is anybody happy to be in church today? Are they glad to be here amongst your brothers and sisters? Or do you have joy this morning? God is here. Now, I'm telling you, you can't just look at me like sitting on your hands. I know how some of y'all act when you're outside of church, okay? We can be free this morning because I believe that God's got a word for you. And I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 12 and starting in verse 25. And uh, the context of this passage, we'll talk about it a little bit more later on in the message, but it, it uh, harkens back to Exodus 19 and 20 when Moses would go up on the mountain and speak to God and they would see this terrifying sight of fire and smoke and the sound of a horn. So we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But check this out. Everybody listen to this. Listen to the verse. Hey, stop thinking about other things right now. Listen to what the Word of God is saying to you. I've had to read this thing all week. And I've had to pay attention to what this word is speaking to me. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Pastor Blake talked about that last week when he said God's making a new heaven and a new earth. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. Everybody say shaken. Say shaken. Say it. Come on, say it loud. Say shaken. Shaken. The removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be, what's the word? Shaken may remain. Check this out. This should fire you up. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Is anybody thankful this morning at all? I mean, you got another day to live. Anybody thankful that they got their family? Anybody thankful for the goodness of God this morning? Come on, church. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. He is a consuming fire. We're in the series called Kingdom Come, and I want to title this message because I feel like James Bond is in the room. Shaken, not sturdy. Shaken, not sturdy. I didn't go there. Shaken, not sturdy. Now, there's been this thing that's been going around with text messages. Every time I get a text from Brother Jerry, it says this, okay? This is not really true, but it just goes with my illustration. You've probably seen it. Maybe you see people post this on Facebook like this. 
they use three letters, SMH. Does anybody know what that means? Shaking my head, shaking my head. And when I was a younger, my dad used to talk about when we were scared that our knees were knocking. We were, we were constantly shaking. And you know what? I thought that I was a pretty smart guy, a pretty solid guy, until McKenzie had to miss school, and I had to substitute fifth and sixth grade. And I looked at fifth and sixth grade math. I found out I was a little shaky in fifth and sixth grade math because it makes no sense now whatsoever. Remainders? Who does that anymore? I've got a phone with a calculator. I don't need any more math. But I just found out I was a little bit shaky. And then used to when I would go to theme parks, and, and I love theme parks. That's my jam. I, I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world to do. I am a roller coaster fanatic. Any roller coaster fanatics out there? Anybody scared of them? Okay, just a couple of you are willing to admit that you're scared. Dave? Really? You, oh, you hate heights. You hate heights. Well, I used to be really, really scared of roller coasters, but when I was 15 years old, I finally experienced my first roller coaster, but I remember how nervous I would get when we were going to a theme park because I'm like, my dad is going to force me to get on this death machine and I don't want to do it. And so I was scared to death and he just wanted something to be proud of his son for. So he would always ask me to ride the rides, but I was scared to death. But by the time I got to 15, I was like, Eventually, I'm going to go on a field trip. There's probably going to be some pretty girl there. She's going to want to ride the roller coaster, and then what am I going to do, Levi? Am I going to chicken out and sit on the bench and wait for them to come out? So I finally got up the nerve at the end of the day to ride the Screaming Eagle at Six Flags St. Louis. And let me tell you something. It was one of the most exhilarating things I've ever experienced in my life. 15 years old, I remember my hands were up going up and down, and I promise you I screamed out, I love you, Daddy, at one point <laughs> during the ride. <laughs> But I was a little more solid. I, I wasn't scared of it anymore. And I was just thinking about all these times when I just used to feel so shaken to my core. And also, I remember I played basketball all through school. And I was a good free throw shooter. And I would sit in an empty gym. And I would shoot free throws at 10 out of 10. I won free throw contest. I mean, it's like it's nothing. Just me and the ball, had my rhythm, shoot the free throw. Do my rhythm, shoot the free throw. But when the elements begin to change... When the elements would begin to change, when I found myself in an opposing team's gym with their crowd making noise, all of a sudden, you realize maybe you're not as solid as you thought you were, as sturdy as you thought you were. And I remember those moments like if you're not focused on what's in front of you and what you know to do, you're more likely to miss because you can hear the sound of the people you know, yelling and screaming, and there's people with signs in the back, and there's cheerleaders that are hitting their megaphones, and all these sounds that were happening. If you're not focused, if you don't remember the things that you've learned at that moment, you're going to miss. And I wonder this morning, with the elements of the things that are happening around us in this world, because the Bible says that we're supposed to be in the world, not of the world, correct? We're in it, not of it. But there's a lot of Christians that are of the world, a lot of church people that are of the world, not recognizing we're called to be in the world. And you find this out because the elements of the world have distracted their focus and the things that they are supposed to know as being a believer they have forgotten about. And I just wonder if there's a lot of people that are shaken this morning and you're not on solid ground you're not sturdy see we've been talking about the kingdom of God and 
there's two opposing kingdoms in this world. And I want to talk about those this morning. And you either belong to one or the other. There's no in-between. There's no third option. There's no fourth option. I don't care how many options the culture gives you for things. This is it. Plain and simple. There's the kingdom of this world and there's the kingdom of God. And how I want to talk about the kingdom of this world because I want to use this passage and I want to try to explore some things this morning. And I'm asking you today to recognize where you're at And if you've made your citizenship in the wrong kingdom, today is the day to move that citizenship. Today is the day to get it right. Today is not the day to just kind of drag in and go, I'm just tired and blah, 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 and I don't want, let's just hurry up and get this over with. Today is the day to hear from God. And this week I've had God's word working on me and I wanted to recognize where I'm at. And the first kingdom I want to talk about is called the kingdom of crisis. The kingdom of crisis. Shaken, not solid, not sturdy. The kingdom of crisis. And what's interesting about the kingdom of crisis is a lot of times the kingdom of crisis will mask itself as a kingdom of comfort. It's the things of this world. And I'm going to give you some characteristics. It's not exhaustive. There's probably more characteristics of the kingdom of crisis. We can probably come up with them later on. But I want to give you some today that I think mark what the kingdom of crisis looks, about, looks like. And I think the kingdom of crisis a lot, a lot of times looks like the kingdom of comfort. Because when it comes to serving God, it's not a life of comfort. It's a life of commitment. It's going to be difficult, but it's going to be worth it. But the world offers comfort, and that's what most people are looking for, comfort. I just want my time. I want my hobbies. I want my Netflix. I want my social media. I want my video games. I want it to be easy, make enough money, retire good, drive the right car. It looks like the kingdom of comfort, but the problem is when you're a part of that kingdom, it's constantly in crisis. If you don't believe me, look what's happening in the world today. Let's not even go to the world. Let's zero in on our country. Every day there's a what? A new crisis. Whether it's inflation, whether it's disease, whether it's something going on in the world, wars, something happening. When you turn on the news, listen, the news doesn't talk about the good things. Nobody clicks on that. Nobody's clicking on the story about old man Jenkins sharing his watermelons with everybody. That's on page 16 in the back somewhere. They are clicking on the crisis. And that's all we see around us is crisis, 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 crisis. Every day I wake up, I'm like, what new thing's happening now? And we know that's happening around the world. I mean, look at what's happening in places like Australia. It's one big crisis. And for some reason, believers want to go, yep, that's where I want to plant myself. Because you know what? I have my phones and I have my Roku and I have everything that I need. But yet it's constantly in crisis, and it's not just the world we zeroed in on the United States of America, but what about your life? Are you constantly in crisis? You ever met anybody that every time you talk to them, there's always something? Mac, you know people, they never have anything good happen in their life. It's constantly a crisis. Maybe it's a new crisis. You have any friends that's been dealing with the same old crisis for years and years? Levi, you ever met anybody like that? In the same place. The kingdom of crisis. That's the kingdom of this world because this world is in a crisis. It is. 
And some characteristics of this world that I want to talk about, this kingdom. One thing that I think characterizes this kingdom is the word fear. Everybody say fear. 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 We got a whole culture that's shaking right now. It's full of fear. And listen to me, I can tell you this much. The enemy wants you to live your life in fear. He knows he can have control of you if he's got you in fear. I'm not talking about concern. We can have concern. We can be concerned about things that happen, and we can execute wisdom on those, those situations that arise. I'm talking about in constant fear. Remember, nobody reads the good stories, but the media knows that you will click on the stories that elicit fear inside of you. They want you to be in fear. I used to be in the media. Fear is a product. It's a product that they're selling to you every single day. And the enemy wants you to live that way. But the, the product of fear, you've got to recognize it costs a lot. Because some people are not living the life that God has given them. They're having it stolen from them by living their life in fear. And they're constantly in crisis. Listen to me. I don't know the solutions for everything that's supposed to happen that's going on globally right now. But I do know a God that knows the solutions for them. And I do know a God that told me to fear not. Fear not. I do know a Jesus that went, that got up from the boat and looked at the disciples that thought they were dying and said, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And you dwindle that down to yourself. Some of you are having your today and your future robbed from you because you're worried about something that might happen. But here's the truth about something that might happen. It also might never happen. The enemy steals from us, and we stay in crisis because we're constantly afraid, anxious, worried. He wants us to be fearful that this will never happen. This will never change. Oh, my gosh, is there a war coming? Is this happen? I don't know all of that. We can have concern about those things, but I know a Jesus that changes my perspective, that pulls me out of that fear. We got this whole culture. That is driving itself forward in 2021 in a vehicle called fear. See, Jesus said in John 10.10, the enemy comes to what? Steal, can you tell me? Steal, kill, destroy. What did Jesus say? I came to give you life. I came to give you life. Well, Ryan, does that mean I'm never going to be afraid? No. Piper was in the shower yesterday, and I heard her screaming. And she got dressed real fast. She said, there's a spider in the shower. I was a little afraid. That's the one thing that I get scared of is spiders. But no, we're going to have things in our life that, that, that'll, that we'll be nervous about. But the truth is, is we have a God that's on our side. So we can live with this idea of whom shall I fear. The enemy wants you to live in fear. The kingdom of crisis wants you to live in fear. The world profits off of your fear. Do you know how much money... These media companies are making by making you afraid. They don't want stuff to end because then they lose money. Recognize the truth of what's happening. I've been there. I've worked in it. Another characteristic is guilt. Guilt. The kingdom of crisis is constantly living in guilt. And here's, here's where I want to talk to you like one-on-one -on -one real quick. Every week you're coming in here. 
and you're carrying around this guilt and shame of things that you've done, things that you're holding on to, and you're letting that guilt drive your life, that you're not experiencing the freedom that Christ offers. And when you constantly live in guilt, you're going to be just like Adam and Eve. What did they do when they messed up? They didn't run to God. They tried to cover up. You're constantly trying to play cover and hide. That's a constant crisis, Dave. They went and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up. And I heard a pastor talk about this. It said that fig leaves were the itchiest leaves. Why would you want the itchiest leaves as your covering? Here's the principle. Sin makes you stupid. It does. But we live in this guilt and shame and we try to hide from God. And we try to put on a brave face. And you know, we have a culture now that is trying to normalize sin. And here's, have, have, you, have you seen this? They're trying to normalize sin. Things that God word is, God's word is clear about, they're trying to gaslight us to say this is not what God's word is about. But God's word doesn't change just because the culture changes, okay? We need more Christians that are not afraid to stand up for the truth than caving into the culture. If I see another CCM artist or celebrity pastor cave to the culture, it's going to make me sick to my stomach. I mean, it's left and right. Anytime that they're pressed by the culture on things that God specifically says he's right or wrong or whatever God's word says about something, they're caving to it because they don't want to be canceled. But here's why I think that the culture, one of the reasons why I think the culture is trying to normalize sin. They think they won't have to cope with the guilt if the, if the culture considers it normal. You understand this? This is why they get in here and they, and they try to silence people that might speak the truth. Because if they can normalize this, then they think it'll help them cope with the guilt. But the truth is it won't. Because we've tried to normalize our sin to cope with our guilt. It doesn't help, does it? doesn't make it go away. doesn't make the shame of it go away. See, in the chapter 7 of the book of Amos, which is a really interesting read, Amos approached the high priest to tell him about the people's sin. You know what the high priest's response was? He called him a conspiracy theorist and wanted him silenced because he didn't want to hear the truth. The truth is hard, but God doesn't give us this truth. Listen, I'm not coming at you because I want us to be angry on people that are struggling. Not at all. The truth is hard. The truth is hard for me. When I read God's word, and it, it, it pierces my heart. It's hard, but the truth is good for you. God's not giving you the truth because he wants your life harmed. He's giving you the, you the truth because he wants to set you free. Amen? It's, it's marked by guilt. And I just wonder if there's some people that are still holding on to shame this morning. It's also characterized by exclusion. Exclusion. The left outs. The whole culture, unless you look like them, you sound like them, you talk like them, you believe like them, you say the things that they say. Anybody heard of cancel culture? Who's heard of cancel culture? Anybody heard of that? Yeah? It's happening. Although, if people would stop feeding into cancel culture, they'll leave you alone. That's usually what happens. Like, if they, I'm not famous enough. I'm not like Jerry Stevens. I'm not like a super famous celebrity, so nobody's trying to cancel me at all. But they want to exclude people, and they want to exclude people because of things that they did in the past. If they push people off of platforms, it's all about exclusion. As long as you look and sound the same and believe the same, 
And then when you think about us as an individual, there's a lot of times that we feel excluded as well because the enemy will get inside of our mind, and I have these thoughts sometimes that I feel like I'm left out. I feel like I don't belong, and I, I feel like I'm not enough, and I feel like I don't make enough. And, and when, you, when you have those thoughts and you have those feelings going on in your life, it creates kind of a crisis. And, and, you know, a lot of times when I have a thought that I don't make enough, it doesn't drive me to do more so I can earn more. I just begin to feel sorry for myself and feel depressed, and I'm in this constant crisis. And even when you look back to the Old Testament, the context of what he's talking in this passage, this mountain that they approached, if anybody touched it, there was one person that was allowed to be mediator to go on the mountain. If anybody touched it, if even an animal touched it, they would be put to death, stoned to death. And when you have this exclusion and this guilt and this fear, you're constantly going to live in crisis. But let me tell you something else about the kingdom of crisis, because I'm trying to get through all this negative stuff, because this is about to get good. The kingdom of crisis is also temporary. It's temporary. Everybody say temporary. The things of this world are passing away. Hey, bro, that thing that you're holding on to, it ain't going to be here forever. The things, Kelly, that we see happening around us, not going to be here forever. Nobody stays on top forever either. Everything is temporary. Which is why I wonder why the people of God can't have some joy in the kingdom of God and find themselves back over here trying to hold th onto things that are going away one day. It's going to be over. It's going to be done. Through. Why are you trying to grab onto something that's slipping through your fingers? This is not going to be here. This is why it finds itself in crisis because it's dying and it doesn't want to. It's temporary. Look what the book of Isaiah says right here. The foundations of the earth tremble. The earth is utterly broken. The earth is rent asunder. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgression lies heavy upon it, and it falls and will not rise again. It ain't coming back. It's no Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, I'll be back. Nothing at all. Once it's over, it's over. But the beauty is, is that God is going to make all things new. But the things that you see around you are temporary. Third Street is temporary. That big old house that you worked real hard to pay for, which is awesome, hate to break it to you, won't be yours forever. You might leave it to some kids to fight over, and then they sell it for a profit. It's not going to be here forever. That job you have is not going to be here forever. This life that you have, one day, maybe today. Don't talk like that, Ryan. Well, it's the reality. Which one of us know when we're going to take our last breath? Seriously. Remember he said at the beginning, see to it that you don't refuse. Which one of us know when we're going to take our last breath? You are temporary. It's going to be over one day. God's going to shake some things up one day. And the context of this passage, and see, I want to talk to the believer here for just a second. The context of this passage is the writer of Hebrews is encouraging the Jewish Christian not to relapse back into Judaism. As you read this chapter, you can get a clearer picture of that, which I challenge everybody to read chapter 12 here. And this is what he says to these Jewish Christians. Check this out in verse 18. You have not come to a mountain 
that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm. Boy, that sounds lovely, doesn't it? How would you like it if church was like this every Sunday morning? You come to the darkness, the gloom, and the storm. It cannot be touched. To a trumpet blast, and this trumpet blast was just continuous. Or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. This is, this is the old covenant. This is Exodus 19 right here. This mountain was covered with, with clouds and storm and, 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 and fire, and they would hear this trumpet, and they were told to abstain from relations and to wash their clothes before they even approached the mountain. But if they got too close and touched it, they would immediately be stoned to death. And the commands that were coming off the mountain, the children of Israel were like, I can't stand it. Make it stop. And he's telling them not to relapse back into that because if that animal touches it if you touch it you're stoned to death this the sight was so terrifying that Moses said I am trembling with fear now why would you have to tell anybody not to go back to that that seems obvious doesn't it like who would want to go back to that yes I've enjoyed my freedom but I really liked it when I couldn't go near this mountain if my dog ran up on the mountain, I had to stone it to death. Boy, that sounds like a great time. Well, believers, you are the exact same way. You have been set free, and you find yourself wanting to relapse back into this old kingdom, this old way of thinking, these old crises that you've been experiencing because we don't want to trust God. We trust in the world. We trust what, what, what people with power say to us. We don't trust the word of God. And I wonder today if you have gone back to a place that you don't belong. And I wonder today if you'd be honest with yourself, if you find yourself in perpetual crisis, in a place that you don't belong, in a place that's going to drift away, it's going to fade away, and you're trying to hold on to things that are no good for you. I wonder where you're at today because we have the kingdom of crisis, but here's the good one. We also have the kingdom of Christ. Amen? That's our other kingdom. The kingdom of crisis or the kingdom of Christ. And see, where the kingdom of crisis is characterized by fear, what do you think the kingdom of Christ is characterized by? Faith and hope. Now, I'm about to do something right now. I'm about to read you a verse that you should mark down, you should highlight, you should memorize. I cannot believe that I have never even noticed this verse in the Bible before. But this is one of the most encouraging things. If you aren't a shouter, you need to become a shouter today. If you don't clap your hands, you need to learn how to clap those hands because this is how good it is. Because he said you didn't come to that mountain that couldn't be touched, that excluded you, where you had to worry about guilt. You didn't come to a place of fear. You've come to a place by faith right now. Here's what he says. Check out what this verse says here. He says, but you, listen, church, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels and joyful assemblies. Stop right there. Go back. Where's our joy at? 
We didn't come to a place that we had to be fearful. Come on. We are in a place where we can be full of joy because we have come to the city of the living God. That's where I exist today. We've come to this assembly of thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Check this out. To the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Is anybody's name written in heaven this morning? You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Ladies and gentlemen, the kingdom of Christ is not my kingdom. The kingdom of Christ, that's my kingdom and that's where I belong. Can you say that this morning? That's my kingdom. Is that where you're at? Because man, we got a lot of Christians that have no joy. Well, I'm just tired, Ryan. Well, I just, I'm worn out. You don't understand but every week it's the same excuse over and over and over. Why would the world want to be involved in it with any kind of Christianity that's no different than what the world's offering? We got joy this morning. You know what the word says right here? It says that I have come to the city of the living God with thousands of angels in joy. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the church. My name is written in heaven. Jesus is my mediator and king. I've been made righteous, and his blood speaks a better word than anything this culture has to offer. That right there is my kingdom. That right there is where I belong because this kingdom right here is going to be shaken and disappear, but this kingdom right here, the kingdom of Christ, it'll never disappear and it is solid and it is sturdy and it is full of joy that's my kingdom that's where I belong I am so tired of watching like if we've got as many Christians as they say in this country why aren't we making a bigger impact come on we have reduced this down to some kind of stupid religious experience that God never intended for it to be that is not what we're called to be I'm not called to just be a church goer I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ commissioned to give the word of God to show the world the light that has come into the world. We have so many Christians existing in the kingdom of Christ, sloshing around in this world with no joy, constantly in crisis, and barely making it every single day. Not that life is not going to be hard, because it's not easy as a Christian, because I don't belong to this world, but I have a God whose joy is my strength every day. Get out of that kingdom. We have hope. And not like the kingdom of Christ is this like, oh gosh, I really hope that this happens. You know, I really hope this is good. I don't know why I'm doing that voice, but that's it. That's where we're going with this morning. When I hope, who, who, I'm worried. I really hope this guy gets in office because that'll change everything. No. Over here in the kingdom of Christ, we have a hope that is an anchor for our soul, a hope that does not disappoint. That is a different kind of hope. That's why even though I was tired when I woke up this morning, I'm like, God, I get a chance to speak your word. I get a chance to give people hope. That's my kingdom. Say that with me. Say it loud. That's my kingdom. Not this one that's being shaken. This one that's sturdy. Faith and hope. Everybody say it again. That's my kingdom. That's my kingdom. Don't forget that. If this kingdom is marked by guilt, then this kingdom right here is characterized by forgiveness. 
It says to Jesus, the mediator, the go-between of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than Abel. And it's not talking about the death of Abel. It's talking about the sacrifice that he made before God back in Genesis, that the blood of Jesus is a better word. See, Moses was the mediator for the children of Israel, but Jesus is a greater Moses. He's a mediator for us. See, where only Moses could go up the mountain, now Jesus has opened up a new way. And the blood of Jesus covers us from all of our sins. Listen to me this morning. I do not want you leaving this room today if you're carrying around guilt and shame. But Ryan, what about the thing that I did? It's so bad. If people knew, I'd be so embarrassed. I know we've all done dumb things. How many of you have done really bad things in your life before? Just lift your hands up so that everybody can see. Every Look at that. The entire room has done some bad things. But what happened, Mac, when you brought it to Jesus? What did Jesus do with it? Did he go, you should be embarrassed. You should be ashamed. No, he took on his sins and he cleansed him of all unrighteousness. Stop carrying around that guilt and that shame and come cry out to Jesus and bring all your junk with you. See, they had to wash their clothes and get themselves looking right before they could approach the mountain. Back in Exodus 19, you don't have to wash your clothes. You don't have to get everything together. You don't have to make yourself look right. You come just as you are into the presence of God and bring all your junk. And I promise you, you'll experience that forgiveness and mercy and grace that so many of us have experienced before. Stop carrying that junk around. It's creating crisis. And here's the beauty of God's forgiveness. I know you remember stuff, but the Bible says that he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. He cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. That's some good stuff. That's my kingdom. That's where I belong. That's the kingdom of Christ. And then the kingdom of Christ is also eternal. This one's temporary. This one's lasting forever. It ain't going away. See, a lot of us, I, I think sometimes when there's, you know, when there's things happening bad in the world, sometimes it feels like God's like wringing his hands up in heaven going, I didn't really expect that. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to do about that now? God's never liked that. He's always got a plan. And he's been enacting that plan. You see, he knows the end. I don't know the end. So it's easy for me to get lost in the moment. But he knows the end. And so we try to grab onto things that are going to end instead of trusting the one that knows how it's going to end. Isn't that good? It's eternal. Look at what it says here. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, this stuff is getting all shaken up. In the spirit of Elvis Presley, there's a whole lot of shaking going on over here. This kingdom can never, ever, ever be shaken. There's nothing that's going to destroy it. It's not going down with the ship. It's lasting forever. And so it says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. When's the last time you just shouted out, thank you, God? Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for being my mediator. Thank you, God, for taking all my guilt and shame. When's the last time you did that? You probably can't because you're existing over here trying to hold everything up on your own. 
But when you come into the presence of God, sometimes all you can do is say thank you. Man, I pray with my kids nightly. They call it night-night prayers. And if I'm, like, running around, Mac, and I kind of, like, don't notice the time, they will come and get me and go, are we not praying tonight? But when I start that prayer off, we worship God. And you know the first thing that I say, Kelly? God, thank you that we have one more night to come together as a family to you. And I mean it with all my heart. Thank you, God, for giving me brothers and sisters. Thank you, God. The, the gratitude and the joy has just been sucked out of us because we are so lost in this crisis over here. Let's worship God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Everybody say eternal. Everybody say eternal. Come on, say eternal. You've got to understand this point right here. Our kingdom is never in crisis because our king is always in control. He is always in control and that's why we can worship this morning because he's in control well i've got a bad diagnosis i know that's tough and we are the church and we want to bear those things with you but i can tell you god is in control well what about this disease that's happening i don't know the solution i know they don't know the solution but i know that god's in control and if he has to shake some things up in this world to shake some things loose that ain't good for us then he's in control if things are happening in your life you lost your job that's bad we want to pray for you we want to minister to you but listen to me today God is in control he is not in crisis today even when they killed Jesus and they put him in the tomb God wasn't standing up there going oh no like that was my ace in the hole Jesus no what the enemy didn't know is that God already had his checkmate plan you know why because he was in control they thought they killed Jesus. God's like, you're just furthering my plan. He is in control. And this kingdom that we're a part of is going to last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Now, which side do you want to be on? A world that's out of control or be with Jesus and a God who is in control? Where do you want to be today? That's my kingdom there. This last part, this part's about exclusion. Leaving people out. Man, I hadn't got to preach like this in a long time. This kingdom is marked, characterized by invitation. Can't even approach the mountain, Dave. You should go read that in Exodus 19. They just, they're like, just, just stop. You know what's crazy? They experienced that stuff with God, all that fear and trembling and these commands coming down. Forty days after that, they built the golden calf didn't work and see at that time we couldn't approach God couldn't pay attention it's just people walking on the stage I mean we can stop we can film it you can watch it later whatever you want to do it'll be online too okay this kingdom here is about invitation come This is like you got to look like us, sound like us, believe like us. Then you might be one of us, but then they'll find something to not like about you or like about each other. This one's about you should be ashamed. You should be left out of society because of something you did when you were 15 years old. Why would you want to put your trust in this world? This is about invitation. Where you come just as you are see over here you're tired 
You're trying to hold on. You're trying to make it work. You're trying to do your best. And some of you really are. I don't think you have an intention of like, I'm just going to sin because I'm trying to take care of my kids and I'm trying to do these jobs and I've been sick and all these things that are happening. But you're trying to hold up things that you're not meant to hold up and you're not strong enough to. And you trust in yourself and then you isolate yourself or you put yourself around bad company and you're just tired. And you feel like you're not enough and you feel like you're left out. You feel hopeless. You've got all this fear about the future. And you're tired. When over in this kingdom, you have a Savior that's going, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. See, over here, you couldn't get to God. You can't get to God. If you have even approached His presence back in Exodus 19, boom, done, you're over with. But Jesus made a way on the cross that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And what's even more beautiful than that, you're not just saved, you have access into His presence. I can boldly approach the throne in my time of need to find that grace and mercy there is invitation here and some of you will hear this invitation today there you go that's a nice sounding message but you will sit in the same spot with the same problems and not do anything about it or you tell yourself I'll do it later What if, later, what if later never comes? How do you know you have a later? See, he says in Hebrews 12, 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. They did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth. How much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? I'm telling you, the invitation is here today. If you don't know Jesus, today's the day. Would anybody agree with me? Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week. Now we'll get it right. Today is the day. For those believers that are in this kingdom, you've relapsed back. Come running home. Repent and turn away from that life that you've been living and run to Jesus. The kingdom of Christ is not going to magically get better. But oh, there's joy and there's peace and there's purpose, and there's everlasting hope here in the kingdom of Christ. Can you say today, that's my kingdom?